Hey, welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I am the host of this particular program. I want to warmly welcome you to this particular reading of the Bible. We're going to be doing 1 John chapter 5, and this chapter is amazing. Um, one of the things you're going to discover in this is, uh, first of all, you're going to be really encouraged. The second thing is, you know, we've been doing a series on the NAR people. Well, in this chapter, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit and John, they really defeat the NAR narrative. And yet it talks about being prayerful in all things. And I just feel the favor of the Lord this morning. And I know that you are going to receive from this as well. So thanks again for being here. And I'm going to pray in a, in a moment, but I wanted to start out with just a little bit of a personal share. Today is the 23rd of April, 2023. And as most of you would know by now, I was permanently removed from YouTube this week with only one strike and only having ministry videos on there like this. Uh, although I was always careful not to mention the buzzwords and I, you know, that get you kicked off and they decided to take my channel down anyways. And not only that, they said, I can never have another YouTube channel. Well, I have another YouTube channel. I've had it for a long time. I'm not going to use it. And I've made that decision. I will in some capacity, but not uh, like I have before. And when it first got taken down, I was obviously upset because it's an injustice. And not only was it an injustice, but you have to understand I have hundreds of hours of uploading if I wanted to put those videos onto another platform like Rumble. I'm going to put some of them up here, but it's just too much. And I do have it backed. All the YouTube stuff is backed up onto two channels on Odyssey. But I began to wonder, why was my channel taken down? There's other people that expose the NAR. <laughs> Certainly. There's lots. There's other people who do ministry. There's lots. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad by any means. But I can only suggest to you what I feel in my spirit. And through the, the Lord has made this channel successful. And I know it's successful because we're constantly growing. Even though we keep getting hit by the other side, we've taken a number of them. We still continue to grow. And I will venture to say this channel and myself in the works of the kingdom are very effective. You know, a lot of people can expose others 
but the Lord has used me to really encourage people effectively to get back into their Bible and to, you know, not put trust in man, including myself, who's flawed. And I think it's the effectiveness that the other side hates. And so all that said, um, there's going to be some great stuff and, and I'm going to continue my intro uh, after I run a new intro that I've developed just in the last couple of days. Look, I'm not a great video editor or anything like that, but uh, and I'll be criticized because this intro is too long. It's about 50 seconds, so it's under a minute. But you know what? It actually says a lot. And I think at the heart of this intro is why we, and I say we, it wasn't just Jeff, we were kicked off of YouTube. So... Uh, sit back, listen, watch this, uh, new intro video, and please tell me what you think in the comments as well. And, uh, I'll see you in just a moment. What do you think? I thought it was good. A little bit of background music. Eh, that might bug some people, but <laughs> it's fun. Um, one of the other things that talks about in this particular chapter, which we're going to get into in a moment, is prayer. And it really ends the book of First uh, John with, with that and how powerful it is, and how we're supposed to do it. And only in a renewed mind, as weird as mine is, would I correlate two things. How our prayer life should be, and how David danced before the Lord. If you know the story of King David, whom Jesus came from his line, there's one particular part where he's dancing before the Lord and in front of all kinds of spectators and his garment had fallen away and he was essentially dancing naked, unashamed before the Lord. 
I'm, you might think, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what an amazing thing to be that transparent before the Lord. And I'll tie this in a little bit more as we get into the study. But also the joy that comes from knowing the Lord. And not caring what the world thinks of you. Now, I still care what the world thinks of me. I'm probably not unlike many of you in that regard, but less and less as my days go. And I have a short song to play for you this morning that's just, man, if you don't like this song, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm going to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, what an absolute privilege to come before you, to read your word, to worship you, Lord, and to be unashamed before the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who in him and our faith in him through his grace, we have salvation. And we are confident in our salvation because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And Father, as I lift up my worship to you this morning, as I lift up praise, I invite your Holy Spirit to be a part of this particular broadcast, Lord, and your Holy Spirit to speak through me and to minister inside of each and every person that listens to this. And I do pray you expand our tent even further, Lord, Bring more people into this tent. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, if they have not known you. And if they do know you, I pray that they empty themselves out more of their flesh and allow more room for the Holy Spirit to come in. And I pray this for myself as well. Lord, I delight in you. I delight in your word. And I thank you for John and the rest of the apostles, the other writers of the book old and new. We bless your name, Lord. Be in our midst. I pray in Jesus' name. And now, a really great song. I can't wait to play this one for you. Let me know what you think. By the way, the band is Salvador. I've been featuring them on the Pod Band, uh, Podbean podcast lately, and this is uh, one that I used to actually play in a worship band. And it was just a fun, fun song. So God bless you and enjoy. It's a short song. When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. I will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David danced. I will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David danced. Si el Espíritu de Dios está en mi corazón, yo danzo como David. Si el Espíritu de Dios está en mi corazón, yo danzo como David. Oh, yo danzo, yo danzo, yo danzo 
song uh now i can see people here on rumble thanks for being here uh yes the team is here thank god for each one of you you help so much katie q sweet southern girly natasha misty river of course val man i am so blessed Honestly, the favor of the Lord is upon us. And sometimes we want to wallow in our mire, you know, but not today. And we're going to learn how to overcome the world. And it's right here in the beginning of this chapter. Uh, be encouraged. I'm going to read First John chapter 5, and then we'll start breaking it down. Remember that this letter uh, from John is to you, the believer. This is not meant for the unbeliever. This is for you, the believer. So that means it's meant for us, and it's meant for us today. Yes, God knew before he penned this letter through John that we would be studying it today. He knew, and this letter is for you Today, uh, 
everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and follow his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of the people, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. If anyone sees his brother or sister committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I am not saying that he should ask about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that no one who has been born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, 
and the evil one does not touch him. And we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourself from idols. Kind of an abrupt ending. <clears throat> I'm so excited for this chapter. If you remember last week, because I had already studied this chapter in advance of last Sunday, and uh, there were just a couple mysteries, one in particular, and I even was bold, and I said, <laughs> help ask the Lord, and I'm sure some of you did pray that I would receive the answer, and I'm sure the answer can go much deeper than what I've got, but the Lord honored that, and it was just this morning, because it was almost like one of my last thoughts last night, Lord, I still don't have that answer, and this morning, Because I asked, and I asked in confidence, the Lord has answered. And this morning, you get to hear that answer. Let me just start out with this, because this is a letter to the believers. And at the end of verse 4, is the key to everything. It is the key to everyone, everything. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So that's really simple. You choose to believe first but when you hand over your life to the Lord and you accept him as Savior, that is a true belief in Jesus Christ. And it's really not possible to do that without being born of God. Now, God knew you before you were conceived. He knew you before he created the earth. And he knew you were going to be born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. So we are called to love each other. And as unlovable as some of us can be at times, let's be honest, we still have the fleshly human experience. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and follow his commandments. And I, and I want to just continue in verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not 
burdensome. If it is a chore to keep his commandments, then you might be participating in what he goes on to say at the end of the chapter, sin that leads to death. But he also says there's sin that does not lead to death. Very curious, is it not? It does not mean you will not fail. You know, we're called to honor our mother and father. At times, even as born again, I'm sure there are times that we have been disrespectful or not everyone. I'm just giving some examples. There's little things. There are ways that we break commandments. Uh, Sometimes we don't love our neighbors, right? Um, We do break the commandments, but we don't set out to break the commandments. And when we do, because you were born of God, we repent of them and our sins are forgiven. Even the ones you're going to do later today, tomorrow, and so on and so on. And that's why he goes on to say in verse 4, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. What a magnificent statement. Oh, you mean me? How could little old me? You did. You did. You overcame the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And he tells you what it is right here. Our faith. Faith unlocks everything. Faith, I know, is a gift from God because our true faith cannot be realized until we are born of God. So faith is a supernatural gift. However, I'm just a simple guy. And I think of things in simplistic terms. To be born of God, you, because you were given free will by our most sovereign God, had to choose. You had to choose faith first because he does not force himself on you. And when you chose faith, the spirit of the God of God entered into you. But I want to make just a really simplistic point that has helped me throughout my entire walk with God. I remember constantly, every day, as a matter of fact, that I simply chose and that I will simply 
never undo that decision. My mind is made. The evidence is in. Just like with the 66 books of the Bible, there's going to be tremendous evidence coming out that they rewrote the Bible, they hid things from us, the secrets, the occultic knowledge that is out there, the Gnostic texts. And by the way, I, it is my firm belief the reason why John wrote this letter, which was probably, in fact, some people say this was the very last book written, the book, the, the three letters from John were actually written after Revelation, chronologically. And after the book, Revelation was complete, the devil started going over time writing the Gnostic texts. And Gnostic essentially means hidden knowledge. It's occult. And the occult letters, because the only thing the devil needs to do in this world is to get you to not believe or choose salvation. That's the only thing. He's got you if you don't choose salvation. So there's only one thing he needs to accomplish in his eyes. It's because he hates you. The ones that serve him, he's already got them. The ones who don't know Jesus, he's already got them. Now, some of them are going to come into the kingdom, and he's going to try to prevent that from happening. But it's our faith. Choose to believe God at his word. And you have victory and have overcome the world. Verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And the next three verses I'm going to read together for you because this is what I knew there was something more to this last week, and this is what I was praying about. Verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. So when I was reading, this is the one who came by water and with blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, 
but with the water and with the blood. When I first read that again, with the thought that I'm going to be teaching this, I immediately got the vision from Scripture of when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And the soldier came up and he pierced the side of Jesus and water and blood flowed out. It doesn't talk about the crucifixion here. It talks about the one who came by the water and the blood. But I was thinking of the crucifix. And you have to remember, John, the apostle, was the one who Jesus loved. And he was standing there. He witnessed the entire crucifixion. He saw that spear pierce the side of Jesus and water and blood come out. And it's curious that he says the one who came by water and blood. And this is what the Spirit, by the way, um, end of verse 6, with the blood, it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. You want to know a little bit more about the personality of the tri-trinity? Jesus is the Word. We have God who is the Father. And it says right here, the Spirit is the truth. It's just a little thing, but that's huge. Do you get that? We now know more about the Holy Spirit. Ah. So what does he mean by the one who came by water and blood? Well, what the Spirit of the Lord testified to me this morning was that Jesus was born of immaculate conception. And it goes on later in this chapter to say he was the seed of the Father. He was born of the Father. So we know Father God is the Father, immaculate conception. We have Mary, who is a blessed woman, to have the privilege of being the mother of the Savior of the world. And what this is saying to us here was... And I'm going to be just somewhat graphic, but it's nothing to be ashamed of, obviously. When he exited the womb, there is water and there is blood. Embryonic fluid, you might say, but it's water. And there's blood. He was born of water and of blood. So when God himself humbled himself beyond measure and was born of the womb of a woman. 
He was born of water and of blood. Now, I referred to the Gnostic texts earlier. And what the Gnostic texts claim, Gnostic or occultic texts, that they're going to try to sell you as being part of the Bible, it's not. They're going to say, and they're going to use scripture to prove their case because they do, that Jesus did not become God until he was baptized by John. And the father said, this is my son. They claim that Jesus was just a man all of those years prior to his baptism, and then he became God at that time. And then he released the Spirit of God on the crucifixion, is what the Gnostic texts say. And then he just died as a man, and his God spirit went on. That's also the Nar philosophy. And they have to use that philosophy to make themselves equal with Jesus, to be gods themselves. But this chapter cancels that Nar philosophy, if you're paying attention. When Jesus was born from Mary, he was already a new creation. It was God in human form. Never before. The second Adam. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, his side was pierced and water and blood poured out of him. It was another birth. It was right then, because they did that to ensure he was dead. And it was right then that a new creation was made. Because Jesus said, it is finished. His work was complete at that point. And we are born again because of the water and the blood. It is the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. And the water, and this is why baptism is so important. No, I don't believe you need to be baptized to be saved. I don't believe that. But if you are saved, you absolutely should, and I would say it's demanded of you, that you should be baptized. Does your salvation depend on it? I don't think so. But if you're born of God, you'll want to be baptized. And when you come out of that water, it's symbolic of new life. Just like coming out of the womb, you were born again. 
Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can one be born again unless we enter the womb? And Jesus is like, you just don't get it, pal. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But do you see how simple the gospel is? Because of what Jesus did, it was finished on the cross. You were born again of water and of blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies this, because the Spirit is truth. And then it's curious in verse 7, for there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. Now, is he talking about the three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I would say so, because for sure, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all testify that the Spirit and the water. But... Here, in verse 8, John says, the spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. So the water testifies, the blood testifies, and the spirit of God that's in you testifies. And all three testify to Jesus. And then Jesus testifies of the Father. So the blood, the water, and the Holy Spirit are not testifying to the Father. They're testifying to Jesus. And Jesus testifies to the Father. And they're all in agreement. If we receive the testimony of people, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning the Son. So this is an interesting twist. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit the blood and the water testify of Jesus, and then Jesus testifies of the Father. But if we receive the testimony of people, the testimony of God is greater. And now it says because the Father is the greatest. He is the top. He is the Father. He has the authority in the Trinity. And it's referring to the Father here. The testimony of God is greater, for the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. You see how much love there is in the Trinity? 
They're all, I know they're all one and we can't fully understand that, but they are three in one. And this is one of the great mysteries that will be revealed. We have ideas, we have clues in the Bible, but man, there's, we're just going to be in so much awe when all these things are revealed. And then we go back to faith in verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. So the testimony. You have the testimony of the Father inside of you because the Father testifies to Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and it testifies to Jesus. So we have that in ourselves. And we have the renewed blood and the water. By the way, you are made up of water. Water is really important. And I do a study on this. I called it the God module where I talk about the water inside of you. And so that's why I got so excited about the water because I know how powerful you are because of that water that's inside of you. It's incredible. And verse 11 And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son does not have the life. Oh, I skipped over a part. Um, So, sorry, verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made God a liar. So your friend who is just an unbeliever, maybe just an atheist or believes in a different faith, doesn't matter. Any one of those, anyone who does not have the spirit of God in them is calling God a liar. If people only knew the significance of that, because one day when those people, and they all will be before the white throne of God, I think, just by the words here, Jesus, who is the judge, is going to say, why did you call me a liar? You're going to be standing in, not you, they will be standing in front of the most awesome God, creator of the universe. And you called him a liar. Can you imagine just being in front of a, uh, a really big, scary dude? And calling him a liar, knowing that he's just going to pounce on you as soon as he hears those words. Well, the pouncing that Jesus is going to give them is way worse than any thing that we could experience in this life. I was with a bunch of unbelievers yesterday. (laughs) A bunch of unbelievers. um, And a Mason, just thrown into the mix. (laughs) It's funny because I was doing some testimony 
to those who did not know him. Uh, light testimony. It was a family affair, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, ruin my standing in the family completely. I know when to, when not to, but I was able to talk about some things with some freedom and point towards the Bible. And it was funny, my uh, the the Masonic friend there, uh, he was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet, he is not for Jesus Christ. I can tell you that. Uh, the symbolism will tell you, and it certainly showed it to me. Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. A lot of the time, I don't repeat my prayers because I have the confidence that he heard the first time. Now, some things I will pray for constantly. I pray for my wife constantly. I pray for our prayer team and the community here constantly. And I do it because I want to. And it's on my heart. And I feel, personally, I feel strengthened by doing it. It's not that God didn't hear me the first time. I pray for my daughter, my grandson, all the time. I think those prayers aren't repetitious to God because I'm just continuing to pray for the weekly things that we face. But when we pray for other things, like a, a healing for someone. Now, sometimes I do pray extended period of times for some people, and sometimes I'll fast to pray because I think it's serious. I think sometimes I think it's spiritual and uh, just an illness in the flesh. But if... Uh, someone has a cough, I'll just pray and I move on and I believe, okay, God's going to answer it. Done. And John here is telling us by the spirit, which is truth, that we are to have confidence that he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask in his will, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So he's saying, we know that we already have the, the answer to the prayer. God has already provided it for you. You just had to pray it. God was waiting for you to pray it, and he's already got it. Now, do you think it's going to instantly show up? Maybe. Maybe it was there a week before. You don't know. But God was waiting for you to pray it. And is there anything too big you should not pray for according to his will? Is there anything too big? No. God's in charge of it all. Is there anything too small? No. No. You see, I know in my life, and I... Sometimes, and I listen, I've backslidden, so I can testify to what that experience was like. And sometimes I let 
the voice of the enemy get into my ear and say, I'm not even worthy to do this podcast. I get that all the time. That's always whispered in my ear. <clears throat> and sometimes I dwell on these things and I don't immediately go to prayer. Why? Because I'm thick in the head. That's why. But sometimes it's because I justify not going to God because I know that I got myself into that predicament. I know that the devil whispered in my ear because I sinned yesterday and I consciously sinned and I opened up myself to attack. And so it's on me, God. It's on me. Here's the thing. God knows it's on you. He chuckles at this stuff because he knows you. He knows your every thought. So why not just say, Lord, okay, I know I sinned. This is why I feel I'm going through this, God. I obviously can't do it on my strength. Lord, restore me. Restore me, Lord. I repent of what I did. Restore me. And God says, all right. <laughs> I knew you were going to eventually get it. <laughs> and he'll restore you. The reason I wanted to play Dance Like David Danced is just because you know you did wrong, just because you know you have sin in your life. Don't try to hide that from God because you can't. You're better to dance naked, completely transparent before the God before God because he can see you anyways and always. There isn't one time that you're hidden from God. Oh, I might have got away with that one. No, he just didn't hammer you for it because he knew you'd be convicted or whatever it is. <clears throat> is this okay? I haven't looked at the chat here on Rumble. I can only see the Rumble chat. Oh, I can see the Facebook chat too. <laughs> um, the question in the... Facebook chat is the NAR philosophy, and you'll want to go back and watch the Mass Deception series, because I covered that in that series. Uh, it's the New Apostolic Reformation, and it's not of God. Uh, just checking here. I don't see any correction. I can't, don't have time to read all the comments here, but I just like to check once in a while. Okay. No big correction so far. God is good. Now, this is interesting when we get into verse 16. The rest of the chapter is going to go pretty quick here. I'm not going to keep you too long today. If anyone sees his brother or sister committing to a sin not leading to death, he shall ask God... He shall ask, and God will. 
for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. And you have to, so, and then he goes on in verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. So when I talked about breaking the commandments earlier, you and I do break the commandments. We'd like to think it's only 10 things I can get that right. We don't. Maybe someone does, but I haven't. I do my best to keep them. That is for certain. My very best most days, and some days I give feeble attempts, but I still do attempt to obey the commandments. So if you break even one of those commandments and you were born of God, do you lose your salvation? No, of course not. You can't, there's nothing on your effort that can undo. But what is sin leading to death? And this is for believers. So there is sin that leads to death. And we know from scripture that it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which I've given my personal view on before. I won't get into that right now. Uh, I think it's very intentional using God and going against him. Very occultic was my, is my opinion on that. I don't know the answer for sure on blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but also taking the mark. That is a sin that will lead to your death, even if you're saved. But there's a curious word in there. There is sin leading to death. So John is saying to you that there is some sin that will lead you to death. So if you commit that sin, it doesn't mean you have death. But if you keep following its leading, it will lead you away from salvation unto death. How can you lose your salvation? You can choose to reject it. After being born again, you can willfully choose to reject God. And if you do that, well, that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I believe God will honor that request if you so choose. So what is a sin that leads to death? And I'm so thankful for all the years I did studying stewardship because I really understand mammon. Mammon is a spirit. Money, uh, mammon is the spirit behind money. And, and this probably is not the only thing. This is not an exhaustive list. But Jesus purposefully said, you cannot serve both me and mammon. He said mammon for a reason. And if you start to love money, and you start to, well, it's just business. I can be a little unethical in business because I'm dealing with the world and the world is unethical. You can justify all kinds of things in your mind. 
<clears throat> but this is a slippery slope and it will lead to your death because as you become, if you're really following the love of money, as you pursue that as an idol, it becomes a God. <laughs> and when the devil will answer those requests, trust me, the Lord, he'll go before the Lord and says, Hey man, this guy really wants it. Look, his will is there. Let me have him. And God will most likely say, okay, you can test him or her. And then as you start to get riches, nothing wrong with being rich if the Lord provides for you. But as you start to get rich, you need God less in your life. And eventually that is definitely one sin that can lead to death. There's more, I'm sure. We know that no one who has been born of God sins. Ooh! But he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. So God is giving you a promise here. <laughs> if you really do your best not to sin, like really, really do, when Satan goes before the Lord and he has to make the request, he does not have full reign. He might be the God of this world, but you were transferred out of this world into the kingdom authority. We're no longer under the authority of this world. So therefore, Satan has to ask for you. He doesn't have to ask for your unsaved neighbor. He's already got them. He has to ask for you. And God says, if you keep my commandments and you go without sin, I'm not going to give him permission. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Boy, have we discovered that to be true in the last few years, have we not? Let's just break that sentence up. We could almost put a period in there. So, and verse 19, and we know that we are of God. Instead of a comma, let's put a period. And the whole world lies. Period. <laughs> I'm, I'm inserting these periods on my own. The whole world lies. That is true. And where does it come from? It comes from in the power of of the evil one. The lies of the world come from the power of the evil one. If the evil one had not fallen, and if Eve hadn't eaten the fruit, there would be no lies. But then we wouldn't have free choice, which is my true belief of why we are subjected to this entire thing. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. 
So he's true, the world is lies. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Just a side note, um, there was a man yesterday that, you know, he, he's a successful businessman. And, you know, with people like that, I usually start to just talk of my, my way in to a conversation with them usually is talking about like the Federal Reserve and the printing of money and stuff like that because a successful man cares about that stuff. And he did not know the Federal Reserve was a private entity, for instance. And then we started talking, and then so I transitioned to the Mockingbird Media, how everything on TV, from Hollywood to your news channels, is all propaganda. And I told him where he can find the documents on Mockingbird Media and stuff like that. And he said to me, he goes, Jeff, where else can I find truth? Where can I where can I start to dig? He was really uh, because I said with such confidence and sincerity. And so I asked him, I said, Are you a believer? And this was his answer. Oh, yes, I'm a believer. I'm a devout Catholic, and I've been going to Catholic Mass every Sunday for years. And it was at that point that God gave me the grace to not say anything about the cult of Catholicism. But I answered his question because he said, where can I find the truth? And I said, it's all in the Bible. Everything you want to know, it's in the Bible and you need to read it for yourself. Verse 21, little children, guard yourselves from idols that are a sin that leads to death. I pray that you got something out of the message today. Um, it was really good for me. And I, I pray that God ministered to you in a specific way. There was just even one little thing that the Lord used to come out of my mouth to bless and edify you, the body of Christ. It's such a privilege. We have a really special community here. And I say this with sincerity. We have something really special. And we are effective. We not, might not have the big fanfare of the false prophets or of the people who are spreading false gospel. They'll be lifted up by the world. The world will use the world's tools to minimize us. But yet, we must be over the target and very effective. Otherwise, the biggest video platform in the world would not have 
broken their own rules and unjustly eliminated us. Praise God. Hey, until next time, everyone. Oh, I, uh, oh so before I sign off, I hope you're still here. Um, in the very near future, one of these Sunday shows, I do want to do communion with you virtually. I don't know how good it'll work doing it virtually, but God will know our hearts and it will work before his eyes. I don't know when exactly, and there will be one or two, there's going to be some Sundays coming into the summer season that I will not be here. I've already asked someone, and there's actually more than one person who I'm going to ask to fill in for me, uh, so the Sunday show will continue. But in the probably coming one, two to three weeks, there will be a Sunday when I'm missing just because there's some things that I have to do in this world, um, just as part of life. And, uh, unfortunately sometimes it's going to happen on a Sunday. I might be able to pre-record who knows, or might have someone else fill in. But in the meantime, just if you can right now, even if you don't have something like, uh, I suggest you use real wine. If you have, if you've ever had a problem with alcohol or something like that, use grape juice. But if you don't have a problem with it, I think there's something authentic about wine. And Jesus used wine. Um, but it's about your heart more than what's being used as a symbol. And also a, a, have some bread. You probably already do. But just be prepared. And when we are going to do communion, I'll put it in the title of the episode. So when you see it announced, you'll have some advance notice. And I'm just really going to wait until God puts it specifically on my heart to do it, but I know it's coming as it's been on my heart to do it for a while, but I just don't want to force it on my timing. I want it to be on God's timing because it'll be the first time we've ever done it. And I think that's going to be really special. So just be prepared for communion in an upcoming Sunday broadcast. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. I'll see you in a couple days. May God bless each and every one of you. And remember to keep his commandments by, of course, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. <laughs>